0: CHAPTER SEVEN I was jealous. I mean, okay, if you ever have to be stuck as an animal, I think being a hawk is the coolest choice of all. But still, I was jealous. My friends were really enjoying being wolves. I guess it was a strange experience for them. I flew above the forest, skimming the treetops, while down below they ran. They moved so fast it wasn't always easy for me to keep up. Not that their actual speed was so great, it's just that they never stopped, never rested. They just moved at a constant twenty miles an hour or so, over fallen logs, between trees, under bushes. Nothing even slowed them down. Well, actually, that's not completely true. Two things slowed them down a little. One was Jake. He was the dominant male. In wolf packs, that's called an alpha. So he had a special wolf job to perform. Jake, just how many times are you going to pee? Rachel demanded after his fifth stop. I... I don't know. I kind of have to do it a lot, he admitted. Why? Did you drink too much soda before we left? I don't know, he admitted. I just keep getting this urge to pee. You're scent-marking, Cassie explained. You're marking out a territory. I am? Yes, you are. It's normal. For a dominant wolf. At least, that's what my wolf book said. Although it's a little gross for the rest of us to have to watch. The other thing that slowed them down was when they stopped once and started to howl. It was Jake who started it. It caught everyone by surprise, including Jake himself. Uh, Marco started to say, but then he was doing it too. <coughs> "'Cassie and Rachel weren't far behind. <coughs> "'I heard the yelling, of course, so I took a quick turn around a tree and headed back to them. "'What are you people doing?' I demanded. "'We're in a hurry here. You guys can only stay in war for two hours.' Why are you wasting time howling? I don't know, Jake admitted sheepishly. I just suddenly felt like it would be a good idea. Once he started, I, I kind of felt like I should join in, Rachel said. I think it's a way to warn all the other wolves that we're here, so we don't run into any other packs and get into fights, Cassie suggested, which sounded perfectly reasonable until you saw that Cassie had her head tilted back and her snout pointed at the sky and was yodeling like an idiot. I flapped my wings and broke out from under the trees. The city and the suburbs were far behind me now. We had traveled pretty far in an hour's time. It was about the same time of day as my second sighting of the invisible ship, the time when it had been heading toward the mountains. I swooped back down into the trees. You guys keep moving. I'm going up top to look around. Be careful, Rachel said. I banked left around a tree, then flapped my way back up into the sun. I climbed hard and fast, using a lot of energy. The exercise helped to distract me. It's hard feeling sorry for yourself when you're working out big time. After a while, I was able to catch a nice thermal and get some easy altitude. I could still see the little wolf pack, moving like it had a single mind, flowing around the trees, swift and sure. I tried to imagine what it must be like to be a wolf. The amazing sense of smell, the incredible hearing, all that confident power, those ripping teeth, the cool intelligence. Maybe later I would ask Jake or Rachel about it. Then you could ask them what it was like to be human. Maybe they can tell me about that, too, I thought bitterly. Stop it, Tobias, I ordered myself. Stop it. I guess I felt that if I ever started to feel really sorry for myself... I might never stop. I kept a sharp eye out on the sky above, but it was probably still too early for the ship to come. If it even came. There was no reason to think it kept some kind of schedule. Then, down below, I saw something that caught my attention. There was a convoy of trucks and jeeps moving along a narrow, snaking dirt road. Maybe five vehicles. They had the markings of the park service, but they seemed to be in a big hurry. They drove to a lake that I had just glimpsed up ahead. By the shore of the lake, they pulled off the road. Then, to my surprise, several dozen uniformed men jumped from the trucks and began to fan out through the woods. They were carrying guns. But not rifles or even pistols. I could see them clearly. They were carrying automatic weapons. Suddenly, movement in the sky. What the— To my left, I spotted a pair of helicopters. They zipped just inches above the trees. They began to circle the lake. These also had park service markings. This is all wrong, I told myself. These guys don't act or move like park rangers. These guys move like an army. And as I watched, half a dozen of the armed men surrounded a small patch of bright yellow. It was a tent. Two people, they looked like college types, were cooking over a little fire outside the tent. I could see the expressions of total amazement and fear when they suddenly realized they were surrounded by six men with automatic weapons. The two campers were marched back to the nearest truck and driven away at high speed. I don't know what story the two campers were told. Maybe the park rangers told them there was a dangerous fugitive in the area. Or maybe they said there was a forest fire. I don't know. I just know those two campers were out of there before they knew what hit them. The two choppers circled the lake. Then they landed in a small clearing at the far side of the lake at the same time. It was more than a mile away, far even from my hawk's eyes, in the slanting light of afternoon. But I could still see what came out of those helicopters. Out they leaped, one after another. Seven feet tall. The most dangerous-looking creatures you'll ever want to see. Foot-long, razor-sharp blades raked forward from their snake heads, More blades at their elbows, wrists, and knees. Feet like Tyrannosaurus rex. The shock troops of the Yerks hork warriors.